morning. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Ted was right. I'm going to speak from, see, I call it Philemon, but he says Philemon, right? That was what you call it? Yeah, the book. But guess what? Ted's wrong. I'm right. And that's, we're going to leave it at that. Okay. All right. <laughs> so how's everyone doing this morning? It's weird. It feels dark in here, probably because the sun is like behind some clouds, maybe. But it feels really dark. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, but I hope everyone's doing well. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy week, strange week, a uh, sad week, you know, but God is good. Amen. God is good. But yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, a few things um, today. Going to pre- going to speak out of the book of Philemon, Philemon, Phil- not Philemon, not Philemon, right? No, it's not that. See, that doesn't work for me. See, that doesn't work for me. That does not work for me at all. Philemon, right? So, <laughs> no, <laughs> that doesn't work for me either. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. But um, yeah, but so. <sighs> How many of us have had conflicts or disagreements with other people? Wait, some people didn't raise their hands, and I'm like, okay, you're all liars. <laughs> if you didn't raise, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but we've all had conflicts, you know, uh, even with, you know, with other believers, right? And, you know, Elliot and I would have several disagreements all the time about different things, whether it's music or, or whatever, or like, you know, he used to argue with me that he could beat me in wrestling. I'm like, Elliot, I will just sit on you. I'm like, what's going on? This, this is not going to happen. Elliot was like this big. And yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Or he would talk to me about this ridiculously crazy sport called Calico or uh, Stortico, something like that. It's in, it's in, uh, it's in Italy. They, they played in Florence. And it's like football and rugby and something gladiator thing going it's, it was weird yeah and he was he was uh we would argue about that he said it was the best sport ever i'm like come on elliot that's not gonna happen you know we also argue about a- apple versus android as well you know and he was also wrong with that and because uh, he would always say that android was better and that's not true it's not just not true so I used to like Flora, but I don't like Flora anymore. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking, Flora. <laughs> but no, but he would be sorely missed, sorely missed. He's a good brother, ex- great friend, great friend. No, but seriously, you know, even as believers, you know, we, we can get a little sideways sometimes when we, you know, in our relationships and our conflicts. And tomorrow, uh, as we, as, as a country, we celebrate, you know, the, 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 the life of Martin Luther King. Junior. And in his life, work, and in, 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 in ministry, you see the themes of reconciliation and forgiveness, fellowship, mediation. And those are also themes that you can find in this little book, Philemon. Philemon. You know, Philemon is the, is the third shortest book in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. The third shortest book in the Bible. You know, it's like a, a little God tweet, right? And, you know, so with the tweet, for those of you who don't know, 
you're limited in the words that you, that, you, that you have to share what you want to share. So you have to make those things count. You got to make it count, right? So God was making it count in the book of Philemon. So this morning, we're going uh, to step into the choose of Onesimus. Onesimus. Yes, the book is called Philemon, but the book is about a man called Onesimus. And Onesimus was a fugitive slave of Philemon, who was, who was the apostle's friend. Philemon was a, a, a friend of, of, the, of the apostle Paul, who's a friend of his. And Onesimus had robbed his master, you know, and fled to Rome, a large city where he could hide. But in an act of providence, Onesimus encountered Paul in Rome where the apostle was serving, like, uh, Paul was serving in, 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 uh, as a prisoner. He was a, he was a prisoner at that time in Rome. And under Paul's teaching, he becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And Onesimus becomes a friend of Paul as well, which is kind of strange, right? And even ministers alongside of him. He's even mentioned in the book of uh, Colossians, uh, in the letter to Colossians. And so, so, Today, we're going to um, put ourselves in the place of Onesimus, and, and we're going to get an understanding uh, about, about what Christ did for us in addition to that. All right? So why don't you turn with me to Philemon chapter 1, right? There's only one chapter, so you can't, like, really. Chapter 1, verse 1. So Paul's writing. He says, Paul... A prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to uh, Apphia, our sister, and Achippus, our fellow soldier, in the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as, as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in, in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have re refreshed the hearts of the, Lord, of, the, of the Lord's people. So here comes the good part, right? Therefore, he, he like buttered them up, right? But then he goes, therefore, although in Christ I could, be, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than, it is, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while, he, while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could make, take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any, so that any favor you would, you would, so any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. 
He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, be, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Yeah, right? Mm. I do wish, brother, that I may have, have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in, the, in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark. Uh, our, our, whatever his name is, Arsicus, uh, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So in 17, he goes, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. It's good stuff. Interesting stuff. Because in Philemon uh, 17 to 19, we see how we are like Onesimus in three ways. So, we, so that we can value our salvation in Christ. Right? So in 17, we see an undeserved substitute. And we also see, in 18, an unpayable debt. And we also see an unbelievable payment that's given to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. So, let's start with number one, right? We have an undeserved substitute. Paul says in verse 17, he says, If you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. If you, regard him as a, if you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. Paul begins with a condition, right? The, the stipulation has to, be, has to do with see, him seeing Paul as a partner. He has to see Paul as a partner. You know, and a partner in, you know, in the Greek is, uh, is, meant, is like meant to be more than a partner, uh, for the word, you know, is derived from the, the Greek word for fellowship. Like koinonia, corn, yeah. can never say these words right, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's what it is. And the partnership is based on their common uh, life in Jesus Christ. That's what it's based on. You know, in his heart, in his mind, Philemon most definitely regarded Paul as a partner in the gospel ministry. He was definitely a partner with Paul. You know, after all, it was Paul who led Philemon to Christ, right? He led him to Christ. It was Paul who labored in ministry on Philemon's behalf. It was also Paul who refers to Philemon in verse 1 as a beloved brother and fellow worker. So he like butters him up. He says, okay, this is who we are together, you know. And so if the first condition 
provision or condition is met, you know, the, the condition that, that Philemon uh, recognizes Paul as a partner, then as a result of this condition, right, he says, accept Onesimus as you would me. Accept him as you would me. Philemon was to accept Onesimus as if he were receiving Paul himself. Basically, you know, Paul was taking Onesimus' place. He was a substitute for him. Welcome him as you would welcome me. Forgive him as you would forgive me. Hold no obligation against him as you would hold no obligation against me. Just take him back just the way you would take me back. That's what Paul says. So Philemon was standing there looking at Onesimus, you know, and he was to see the face of Paul. That's what basically what was happening there. That's what Paul was saying. Don't, when you see him, don't see, when you look at him, don't see him, see me instead. And accept him as you would accept me. Paul was a substitute taking Onesimus' place. You know, Paul gave Onesimus his full plate, right? And to replace Onesimus' Onesimus's empty plate. He gave him his full plate to replace his empty plate. Philemon was to receive Onesimus' full plate, not the empty one. And just like Paul took Onesimus' place, Jesus Christ takes our place. Paul appeals to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, and Jesus appeals to the Father on behalf of us and says, Father, accept them as you would me. That's what Jesus says in, in, in front of the Father. Accept them as you would me. At the heart of Christianity is the doctrine of substitution. Substitution. Substitution is the, is the true meaning of Christ's death because it, he sacrificed himself in the place of the condemned sinners to satisfy, to satisfy God's holy wrath and righteous judgment against sinners. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is the substitute who, who bears the punishment rightly due sinners. Their guilt being imputed on him has been put on him in such a way that he, represent, he representatively bore their punishment. Return with me to 2 Corinthians 5.21. You know, he says, you know, he who, who knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He became the curse for us. God's holy wrath was, was poured out on Jesus, right? Innocent, blameless, pure, the spotless lamb in place of us, the wicked, helpless, prideful, sinful, you know, 
people that we are. Simply put, Jesus took our place. He took our place. He's a great substitute. But why? Why did he take our place? Why did, why did he have to take our place? You know, why did this take place? Why did this happen? Why did it happen? It happened because we have an unpayable debt. We have an unpayable debt. In verse 18, Paul goes, if he, ha if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, owes you anything, charge that to my account. Charge it to my account. I take on that debt. Onesimus had incurred a, a great debt, a great debt, a debt that he couldn't repay at all. He could never repay. The debt which Onesimus paid, uh, uh, that Onesimus owed Philemon was, first of all, a monetary debt. It was a monetary debt because, you know, and Paul goes, if he has wronged you or in any way or owes you anything, right? That's monetary. That's money. That's money right there. We know that Onesimus was a runaway slave. You know, the price of a good servant in, in 60 AD was 500 denarii. Now, one denarii was one day's wages. So basically, you had to take 500 days, like if you worked a year and a half straight, that's what it would cost you, what you got paid every day. That's what it would cost to buy, that, buy you know, to have a slave. That's how much it would cost to replace a slave. So that's, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. You know, so Paul, so if, so when, when Onesimus ran away, Philemon had to replace him. So that's 500 denarii right there. You know, very costly, very costly, right? Not only that, it's apparent that Onesimus stole possessions or money from Philemon. You know, possibly to fund his uh, fugitive lifestyle. He was on the run, you know. You know, we have, you definitely need money, right, to, uh, to live in Rome and maintain his cost of living there and do the things he needed to do to get there. Do, you know, he needed money. He had to eat. He had to do different things, you know. But Onesimus, as a slave, had no funds. He could not possibly pay his debt. He was helpless. He was bankrupt. Onesimus had incurred a second debt also. He had a second debt which he can never repay. And that death, you know, that debt was a, the penalty of death. It was a penalty of death. Conceivably, it might be possible for uh, Onesimus to, to repay the money, right? He worked all of his life and whatever, then stayed on longer, what, I don't know. He could, he maybe could have repaid the debt, you know. But according, as a slave, according to Roman law, you know, he had possibly put himself under the death penalty for abandoning his master, the one who had purchased him. You know, this was, was a debt that the Onesimus could not escape. He couldn't escape it at all. No matter how long he worked, no matter how good he was, whatever it might be, Onesimus had broken the law and justice demanded his life. It demanded his life. It can only be satisfied by his death. It's a very depressing picture, isn't it? Pretty depressing. But that's exactly the picture that you and I face apart from Christ. It's exactly the picture we, we, we face apart from Christ. Man 
Like Onesimus, we've incurred a debt that cannot be paid. Onesimus is, a, is in a position before Philemon that, that we are before God. The same position. Man has incurred, incurred a debt uh, so great that eternity would not be long enough for him to repay it to God. Wouldn't be long enough. Now, when God created Adam and placed him in the garden, a rule was, was given to Adam for God because God said in Genesis uh, 2.16 and 17, he says, of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree that of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat it, you will surely die. You will surely die. The debt which God placed as a penalty for disobedience was more than a physical death. Physical death was just a result, was a result of the penalty. Right? The death which was taken on for a disobedience was a spiritual death. It's a spiritual death. A spiritual death is a, is a separation of the spirit from God. A separation from, of the creature from the creator. Physical death is a result of the spiritual death. You know, in Ezekiel 18.4, uh, it says, you know, the word of the Lord has spoken through Ezekiel. He says, the soul that sins shall die. In Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. Right? Romans 5.12, it says, the effects of, 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 of having sin, you know, Paul says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in, in, in this way, death, became to all, death came to all people because all sinned. You might think, oh, wow, I didn't sin. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. You know, whether you believe in Adam, you know, Eve and the garden, you know, is, all, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You know, the fact remains that sin, you know, is missing the mark of perfect holiness. The mark that we've all missed. We've all missed it. You know, the word says that if you keep, you know, the law in its entirety and stumble at one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. That's crazy, right? You're guilty of breaking all of it. That's, that's not me. That's what the word says. So, all right. So we, like Onesimus, are lawbreakers under, under a death sentence. A debt we cannot pay. You know, you know, if God gave me an eternity, you know, I could still not make, you know, make even a token down payment upon the debt which I owe. I couldn't do it. Even if I had an eternity to do it, I couldn't do it. But it's not the end. Amen? It's not the end. Because Paul says, he's, he goes, but if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Which transitions to our last point, our third point. You know, we have an unbelievable payment. It's an unbelievable payment. This is awesome. It says, you know, Paul goes in verse 19, he says, I, Paul, am writing, with his, uh, writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I will repay it. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. You know, Paul, Paul's custom, uh, for those of you who don't know, was to, to dictate his letters, 
right, to a scribe, to someone who was writing it down. But in many of his letters, he would write closing greetings and, and, and with his own hand. He would say, like, you know, say, not just write a signature, but he'll say, you know, you know, to grace be to you, and he'll, you know, say, say his greetings to him in his own hand. He would write that down. A lot of times he would do that. You know, it could be that only, you know, verses 19 to 25 were written by Paul, you know, but maybe it was a whole letter. Maybe it was the entire letter that was written by Paul. But regardless, Paul wants to make a, a point very clear. He wants to make a, <laughs> it makes it very clear. He says, I will repay it. I will repay it. You know, the apostle, the apostle Paul uh, assumes or takes on whatever debt Onesimus has incurred in his robbery and running away. He takes on all the debt, all of it, everything, the death, the, the money, whatever it might be. He says, I will repay it. Paul had, see, Paul had an idea of the extent of the theft involved in, in, the, in the huge amount it cost Philemon to replace Onesimus. Yet he wanted to have a, the debt put on his account and that he would repay it. He wanted to make sure that Philemon knew that, hey, he doesn't owe you anything. It's all me. It's all on me. It was Paul's desire that, that, that the bonds of fellowship that, were, that had been broken should now be restored. He wanted to make sure that those bonds were restored. He was also, he was so concerned about reconciliation that he would pay any price. He'd pay any price. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us as well. That's what Jesus did for us. Because of his great love and desire for us to be reconciled to God, he paid the ultimate price for us. He paid the ultimate price for us. The debt which, uh, which man could not pay, the debt of spiritual and physical death, the Lord Jesus came to pay for us. He went to Calvary's cross and was lifted up between heaven and earth. And, and when the son looked to the father and, and cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was paying man's debt. He was separated from God. The Son of God was enduring spiritual death for man. He was enduring spiritual death for man. He was paying the debt to the fullest, to its fullest. Only then he could say, it is finished. Only then he could say that. Jesus paid for the consequences of our sin at the cross. You know, it's compared both here in, in, verse, in, in verse 18 and in 19 to a financial transaction. It's a financial transaction. Some people are in credit card debt, right? They can't seem to climb out of it. Man's debt is similar. But it's not the debt of credit but the debt of spiritual and physical death that, cannot, that he can't escape from or pay off. Now, if you, overdrew or, uh, at a, if you overdraw at a bank on your bank account, you know, you know and we're taken to on a certain, you take on a certain 
indebtedness, right? But you could not pay. And another person in kindness, you know, if you did that and someone else came and they said they wanted to pay off your debt and they paid it off in full, at the end of the month, your statement will, will show that you owe nothing, right? If you had a whole bunch of debt and somebody came and paid it off for you, at the end of the month, it'll say you owe nothing. The indebtedness had been taken care of. The debt had been taken care of. This is what happened at the cross. Our sin, our debt was paid, paid for by Christ. Paid for by the Son of God. In other words, our sins were imputed on him, were put on him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He became sin for us. That's good news, right? That's excellent news, right? Okay. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, it was good news. We no longer owe. Awesome. The ledger was wiped clean, you know, and, and we have a zero balance to our account. But that still leaves us bankrupt. We're still bankrupt in the sight of God. But Christ did even so much more for us. Did ever so much more for us. Not only does he take on away our sin and, our, and zeroes out our, our, our account to make sure that we don't owe anything, he also adds to our account. He adds to our account. Jesus Christ came not only to pay, uh, pay one's debt, that the debt, you know, uh, that, the si that the debt side of the, of the ledger would be wiped clean, right? He also came in order to impute his righteousness onto us. He didn't just come to take away our debt. He came to give us his righteousness as well. He doesn't only cancel our debt, but he has given us the righteousness, you know, as a basis for our standing before God. He became sin. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, when God looks upon us, you know, who, who have placed, who have placed our, our faith in Jesus Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, not only does he not see our sin, but we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is awesome. It's an amazing thing. And a lot of times I think we don't understand that too much, too well. Not only did he take away our mess, he gave us his righteousness. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He can look at us. Father can look at us covered in the righteousness of Jesus and see his son in whom he is well pleased. That's what he sees. That's what he sees. You know, a man was caught, there's a story about a man who was caught stealing. Um, it's an old story. Uh, but a man was caught stealing milk 
had been delivered to a store and, you know, he had been arrested and he was taken to a judge and the judge asked him, you know, how do you plead? How do you plead? There was only one way he could plead because he had been caught in the act. And so he, so he had to plead guilty. He had to plead guilty. And he asked for leniency because he had, had two small babies at home and nothing to give them. And, you know, and instead of seeing them starve, you know, he resorted to, to stealing. He resorted to stealing the, the milk. And he said, Judge, I plead uh, for the mercy, of, or plead for the mercy of, of the court. And the judge said, you know, since, you know, you pled guilty, I have no alternative but to find you, find them, you guilty and assess a, uh, a fine. And so the fine was assessed at $10, right? Which is like, that's how I know the story is old because it was $10, right? <laughs> you know, back in the day, that was a lot of money. But, you know, just think, you know, you got fined $1,000 or whatever. Let's say, yeah, let's say about that. And he had, the judge had to, you know, uh, assess the fine. He had, because he pled guilty. He couldn't say no, you don't owe anything, whatever. You know, but he had to assess the fine. The fine was $10. And, and the man stood there, you know, and he was like, he didn't know what he was going to do. Because he anticipated a jail sentence because he couldn't pay the fine. Had no money to pay the fine. And the judge got, and so at that point, the judge got up, he put up down his gavel and walked over off the bench, walked over to the clerk's desk and wrote a check for $10 and paid it himself. Then he approached the man and wrote him a check for $100 to provide for his need. He paid the debt of $10, but he also gave the guy $100 to provide for his need. There was no question of guilt, none whatsoever, nor of, of the justice of the sentence, because that's what he was owed. And yet, the one who found him guilty, who had to find him guilty, was the one who paid his, his debt. He paid his debt in order that he might go free. The same person that found him guilty also paid his debt. Our sin was put on Jesus, the sinless one. You know, our sin was placed on him. My sin, your sin, was placed on him. And at the same time, Jesus' righteousness, his perfectness, and his, 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 his obedience... His righteousness was put on us. Awesome transaction. Amazing transaction. That's an unbelievable payment that was made for you and me. And just like Paul said to, to Philemon, I'll pay his debt. Look at, when you see him, see me. You know, any debt he owes, I'll repay it. I got it. You know, accept him as you would accept me. That's Jesus. That's Jesus for us in front of the Father. So did Philemon dis, did, uh, uh, forgive Onesimus? 
You know? I would say, I would hope so, but yeah, I would say yeah. Because of, you know, the relationship that he had with Paul, you can, you can say, yeah, probably, most likely, he, he did forgive him. You know, based on, you know, uh, Paul, you know, buttering him up at the beginning of the, of, the, <laughs> of the book and saying, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you're a forgiving brother and, you know, you're my brother in the Lord. You're, you know, tells him everything that he is, you know. Yeah, you can, you can say that, you know, he forgave him. He took him in as his brother. He's a forg he had a, a forgiving heart, you know. But also, based on the inclusion of this book in the New Testament, you could probably say, hey, you know what? He did forgive him. Because why would this book be in the Bible if <laughs> he didn't forgive him? If he went off and said, no, you're going to be my slave. I'm going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. Why would this book be there? Why would it be there? You know, why would it, it would leave a false impression on history, right? It's crazy. But also, there's some historical documents as well. Now, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. So I don't know if it's like, you know, 100% true, but it says there's some, some historical documents. It says, you know, 50 years later, you know, there's a, 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 a Father Ignatius, you know, of Smyrna, yeah, Simra, uh, on his way to martyrdom in Rome, wrote a letter to, uh, to the Ephesian church that in that letter he writes, I receive your large congregation in the person of Onesimus, your pastor in the world, a man whose love is beyond words. Possibly the same Onesimus, you know? And also scholars say that, you know, the same Onesimus, now a church leader in, in, in Ephesus, collected and published Paul's letters, including the one of Philemon that he had a personal interest in, which is like awesome stuff, awesome stuff. But yeah, but it's so amazing what the Lord has done for us. Just like Paul, you know, said, charge it to me, charge it to my account. Jesus said, charge it to my account. There's a song um, in a hymn, an old hymn. And if anyone knows me, you know, you know I like hymns, but... Don't sing a lot of hymns, <laughs> right? Um, but the words of this hymn goes, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head, and clothed in, clothed in righteousness divine. Behold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Simply, simply amazing what the Lord has done for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We give you praise and honor. We thank you, Lord God, for sending your son. We thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to die. We thank you that you've risen from the dead. We thank you that you took on our sin and our shame and our, 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 our pain, our everything, and, nailed it to the, and it was nailed to the cross. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you took your righteousness and placed it on us. You took your righteousness and placed it on us. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Lord, I give you praise and honor today. In your precious name, amen. amen.